Last week we started a new series called Jesus Is where we were uh, just introduced to the concept that we all drift from time to time in our faith. Um, and, and some people, their whole life is drifting, just drifting. And, and I, I illustrate this, uh, that, that, if, that if Jesus is that way and you want to go that way, I think, I think a lot of people really want to, but there's this force that just we, it's kind of like when you're at the beach, you're at the beach, you're, you're in one place, and then, or if you've got kids at the beach, you're watching them, and then they've drifted down the beach, and you're like, come back, come back, come back. And, and so this is constantly going on in our life that we're drifting. And so what we do is, is we, we try to throw out things that we think will, will, will keep us from drifting. And so we'll throw ourselves into, and I introduced this last week, into a relationship or, or into our job. And we'll think that's what I'll do. I'll throw myself in a job. I'll make a lot of money and that'll keep me from drifting. And then I'll be happy. Or we'll throw ourselves into our family. My family, we'll do these family things. We'll create all these experiences. Nothing wrong with any of that. And, and, and that'll keep me from drifting. But the truth is, is that we usually find ourselves in the midst of anything else that we're still drifting. We're still drifting, and so we're studying Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews says that you will only stop drifting when you have an anchor. You'll only stop drifting when you have an anchor, and so I introduced this concept last week of just having an anchor, and I know it's not a really good knot, and I mentioned that last week. Don't make fun of me, but anyway, it's just because of speed, and so you've got to throw out an anchor. You've got to throw an anchor, and he, he presents Jesus Christ as this anchor. But if you want to stop drifting, you've got to place your faith in Christ. You've got to trust Jesus with your life. And he is the one that can hold you and keep you from drifting. And that he is this, this anchor that is he, uh, the anchor of your soul. And so for the next several weeks, we introduced that last week, the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at Hebrews as to why that is true. And so today we're going to look at the concept of Jesus is our rest. Jesus is our rest. Now, how many of you had got a good night's rest last night? Anybody get it? Well, I hope you enjoyed it because next week's chime change. It's like the worst Sunday in the history of the world. You lose an hour next week. But if, how many of you didn't get a good night's rest? You didn't get a good night's rest. You can do it. Okay. All right, that's great. We don't want, I want to ask you but one more question. You ever going to buy a mattress? That's always interesting, isn't it? That's always, that's a, to me, that's just an interesting thing. Is, and I'm, I'm just going to give a little bit of our mattress history, Leslie and I's mattress history. Um, about, I don't know, about 20 years ago, we bought a mattress. It's right after we first moved here. We didn't have a lot of money. And so we went down to, we bought a mattress in Social Circle. You know that little Social Circle furniture store? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and it was $350 for the box spring and the mattress. I didn't even get on it because, I mean, the truth is, that's all the money we had at the time. And we got, we bought it. And it lasted like 15 years. And we were young. And uh, it really didn't matter if our back was hurting or anything or whether it was comfortable or anything like that. Really didn't. We, you know, we just kind of, we, we had four kids and we were doing the four kid thing and having a a really nice mattress was not high on the list, and it may not be high on the list for you. Well, anyway, fast forward to about four years ago, we need a new mattress. We need a new mattress, and we, we that thing was toast, and, and, and we so we go into a mattress showroom. You ever go to a mattress showroom, like mattress firm? You ever done that? That is so weird. Like, you get on this thing, and she's on there with me, and you're talking about, eh, I like this, and the guy's like, hey, how's that? And you're like, why don't you get on there with us? Anyway, so... <laughs> Well, you ought to get in. This is everybody. See what we think. And, and, you know, we're talking and this one's good or this one's too soft or I don't like this. And so you have all these choices. Like I had one choice 20 years ago. Now I've got all these choices of Sealy, Beautyrest, Stearns and Foster that uh, 
Is it going to be inner spring foam or is it going to be able to elevate? And then you see these commercials of sleep number. And I don't even want to ask if you've got a sleep number mattress because I don't want anybody to know how rich you are. I'll be expecting you to give more. Does anybody want to guess how many mattresses are sold every year in the United States? 35.9 million. It is a billion dollar industry. Billion dollar industry mattresses. And you know what they're selling? They're selling rest. They're selling rest. Hey, you need this. Your life is incomplete unless you have the sleep number. Unless you have this foam mattress, it's cool. It's cool at night. You get out, oh, it feels so good. They're selling rest. Today, I want to talk about rest for your soul. You know, Augustine, he was like a, a church leader years ago. He, he had this quote. He, he, this is not like scripture. This is just a quote he had. He said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds it, its rest in thee. And I have found this to be true. That you can throw yourself in so many things to try to find rest. There's a lot of things that promise rest. Mattresses. And we are in desperate need of rest. Anxiety is at an all-time high. People are fearful. Busyness is like the new addiction that we all have. I've got to be busy. I can't, I can't just be still. Addiction itself, addictions of drug and alcohol or pornography or whatever are just up and up and up because we can't rest. We're looking, we're searching, we're wandering. Depression, despair. We're like a person who is tossing and turning all night long just hoping somehow, some way, we could get some rest. And then Jesus has these words, and I've used this scripture so many times, where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. And Jesus makes this promise. Hey, come to me. Come, come, come on. I'll give you rest. But if you're looking for rest, if, if you're anxious or fearful, if, 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 you've, if you're overwhelmed carrying this burden, he says, come to me. Well, as I said, we're talking about and looking at studying Hebrews where the writer talks to us about the rest that God offers. And he makes some, some clear points here. The first is this, he says, don't forfeit your rest. Don't forfeit your rest. Now, the word forfeit means to lose or to be deprived 
of as a penalty. Now, we are a sports family. We're a sports family. Uh, not all our kids were, were super athletic or anything like that, but we love sports, especially the boys. We love sports, and, and we're a sports family. We, we've, we've gone just about everywhere doing sports, and uh, we, would, we would get the kids together. We'd dress them up, get their uniforms on and everything like that, and a lot of times I would be coaching, and, and we'd get over to the ball field, and the other team didn't have enough players. And I'm just going to tell you something about the Thompsons. We'd have rather played and lost than to get a forfeit. I'm just telling you, we couldn't stand. You go to all that trouble and you get over, oh, not really, we're not playing. I know you're, get over it, Gary. I'm still, I know I'm going to recovery for this, so anyway. <laughs> we would rather play and lose than to win by forfeit. And we would rather play and get killed than to lose by forfeit. Man, not even get a chance, just forfeit. You don't get a chance to play, you don't get a chance. And so many times in our lives when we talk about rest, talking about the rest that Jesus wants to give you, wants to give me, that we forfeit it. We do. We forfeit it. Before we can ever experience it, we forfeit it. And here's the thing. We get dressed up. We come to church. We look good. We're, we're, we, got our, we got our game face on. But something's going on, and we forfeited our rest. And the writer of Hebrews says this. He says, but Christ as son of God, is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. If we keep courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ. That is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did. And I'm going to stop right here. He's going back to Israel, giving this illustration. See, Israel had been given this promise of rest. The people of God had been given this promise of rest. They were slaves, and then God said, hey, I'm going to give you this land. It's a land of milk and honey. It's going to be great and everything like that. But they missed out on the promise. As a matter of fact, they wandered for 40 years, never entering that rest, never, ever getting the chance because, and he gives us this illustration today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There, your ancestor tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. They saw him do things over and over again, and they just never could grasp it. They never could. And the writer of Hebrews is, is talking to us today saying, hey, hey, don't forfeit this. Because here's the truth. You and I have seen God work in our lives. You've seen God work in your life, but so many times we forget about it. So many times we forfeit what God has done because we just turn and walk away. We wander. We drift. And he's kind of giving us a reminder, this warning, come back, come back over here. He says, there are, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took a oath that they will never enter my place of rest. And the people of Israel never did. Now, I'm going to share this with you. That ought to scare us a little bit. I'm talking about some holy fear, not some dysfunctional fear. Some holy fear where you look at your life and you have to ask yourself a question, what am I doing that's forfeiting the work of God in my life? I've seen his miracles. 
I've seen him work in my life. I've seen him do things. He's put things together. He's orchestrated circumstances and situations. He's answered prayers. And yet there's something inside of me that just wants to wander. And I'm not talking about forfeit as always being a salvation issue. I think that, that the forfeiting of rest could keep some of us from accepting Christ. But so many times I think it just keeps us from the blessing of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 4, 12 times he mentions the word rest. 12 times. This is chapter 3 and chapter 4. 12 times he mentions the word rest, a warning over and over again, pounding it over and over again. Don't miss this. Don't squander this. As I was studying this whole phrase right here at the end where he says, they will never enter my place of rest. You know what the literal translation of that is? The literal translation of that is, God says, they will never enter the rest of me. That I am the rest. See, so many times we want to go to this place of rest. I want to go to heaven. It's going to be this place. We're going to play harps and do all this stuff that we have this concept that I want this. But we don't want the one who gives rest is Jesus Christ. That he's calling us. He said, hey, surrender to me. Follow me. Believe in me. Trust me. I'm what you need. And we kind of kind of uh, have this two things where we got, I want the rest of going to heaven, but I don't really want the one who gives rest. And he says, they will never enter the rest of me. That I'm the one you need. Too many times we are like Esau, who had the blessing of God in his life. But he forfeited that blessing for a bowl of soup. And a lot of times that's our life. So the first thing is don't forfeit your rest. The second thing is don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. You know, Hollywood does a great job of um, giving us pictures of people with hard hearts. Like if you, if you do something around the holidays that uh, seems like you're hard-hearted, people will call you the Grinch. Or they'll call you Scrooge. If you're selfish, they'll call you Scrooge. Yeah, okay, Scrooge. And they do a good job of planning these, these, these pictures. What makes a person's heart get hard? How does that happen? It happens to us, doesn't it? You know, one moment we're on fire for Christ, the next moment, man, we don't, we don't, we don't care. One moment we're in, we're sitting in the, in the service and we we're listening to every word that the, whoever's preaching is saying. And the next moment we're thinking about when's this going to be over so I can go to lunch. And the writer of Hebrews gives us this warning to not harden our hearts. Look at the scripture right here. He says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. That's part of it. Turning away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. I'm going to give you three reasons why people's hearts get hard real quick. First is sin. When you sin, the natural inclination is part of your heart dies. A part of your heart gets hard. 
that it becomes callous to the things of God. This happens to all of us. It does. It happens to all of us. The second way is, is selfishness, that when you live and your whole life is about yourself, about what it's me and my, my kingdom, I'm going to build what's going on, and then that's, and then that's the, the predominant factor in your life, then your heart is going to be hard toward the things of God. And then finally, Satan's lies. That when you have circumstances and situations in your life that don't turn out like you thought they should or you thought they would, then he's going to lie to you and say, God doesn't care about you. He doesn't, he, he doesn't care about you. He's not with you. He's not for you. He's not working your life. And you believe these lies. Man, our hearts, they get hard. When was the last time your heart was super soft to the Lord? That's a, that's, that's a weird thought, isn't it? I told you Hollywood does a great job. They do a great job of, of, of getting us to feel things like we, we talk about Scrooge and Grinch. We can all, everybody, everybody gets it. I was watching uh, the movie um, American Underdog by Kurt, it was a story of Kurt Warner. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a great movie. And in the middle of that movie, something happened that moved me. His whole life was falling apart. And he's sitting on this bed. He was broke. His dream of being a football player did not come to fruition. And he's sitting on the bed, and he's not a believer in Christ, and he simply says this, God, I need you. I'm going to tell you something. When he said that, something registered in my mind. I'm watching this movie, and something registered in my mind. When was the last time you said that, Gary? When was the last time I said to the Lord, God, I need you? I need you. And I'm going to confess, judge me if you want, it's been a while. It's been a while since I had said that to the Lord. I've prayed a bunch of prayers, but I can't remember the last time I looked at him and said, hey, I need you. I'm sure it's happened. I just couldn't remember. And so I watched that movie, turned off the TV, and I got on my knees by myself. There was nobody around. I just simply said, God, I need you. And I had this prayer of just, just repentance, this confession. My heart was so soft. I'm wondering, is that your heart today? He says, be careful then. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Turn away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today, which is what we're doing, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. Then he goes on to say, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today, 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 today. When you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. So, where's your heart at today? Is your heart hard? Is it soft? Is it somewhere in the middle? Does it have calluses? Is it wrecked by sin? Are you living for self? You believe in Satan's lies? Which leads me to the last one. Don't wait. Do something today.
There's a, in Exodus, when God is putting the plagues on Pharaoh, I think it's the plague of frogs, he goes to Moses and he says, take the frogs away. I don't know if you've ever read this. It's really, really weird. And Moses says, okay, I'll do that. When do you want me to do that? You know what he says? Do it tomorrow. Man, inside of all of us, hear me, inside of all of us, it's it's just part of pride. This part of, of, of unbelief, this part of resistance that simply says, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll follow Jesus more tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll obey tomorrow. I'll, I'll live for Christ. I'll give. I'll, I'll be generous. And it always is. I'll do it tomorrow. Hear me. Listen to me. Every time you push it off to tomorrow, whatever God's calling you to do, your heart gets a little bit harder. It becomes a little more callous. Look at the scripture right here. Just so you know, I'm not making it up. He says today. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Here's how I want to end today. That Jesus says to come to me. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I'll give you rest. Listen, you're not going to find rest in your job. You're not going to find rest in your spouse. You're not going to find rest in your family. You're not going to find rest in the next vacation. And I'm not against any of that. The only thing that you're going to find rest at last is to Jesus Christ. That you've got to have Jesus. You've got to say, I want you. I need you. I've got to have you. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. For I am humble and gentle in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And so I'm asking the question, is there anybody here today you need rest? And how I want to end is this. It's going to be a little weird. I want to open up this stage as my living room. That maybe today in this moment is the day that you need to come forward and say, I need you, just like I did in my living room. Get on your knees. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be down front. I'd love to pray. The Leslie's here. Darcy's here. Jason Smith, one of our elders here, we would love to pray with you. Whatever's going on, listen to me today, today. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Whatever is going on in your life, whatever your problem is, the answer is Jesus. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you think is is bigger than yourself, the answer is Jesus. You and I need Jesus. And so I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and sing. If you have a decision to make, man, don't wait. Do it today. I'm going to pray that you do. Father, we come to you. Lord, I pray for us today. So many times our hearts wander. And it doesn't always mean that we're bad people. It just simply means that we've taken our eyes off you or we've forgotten you or we've just drifted maybe unintentionally. But Lord, I pray for us today. I pray for the person here today that's never confessed 
never placed their trust in you to save them. Lord, I pray for the person here today that's struggling with some kind of anxiety, some kind of addiction, some sort of problem, something that just doesn't make sense. I pray that they see that you are the answer. And Lord, my prayer today for all of us is that we would walk out here today and say, I need you. I need you more than anything. So I pray for those who would come. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand and sing with us?